Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. I'm very excited about a new series we're launching this month. Um, I don't know if it's just going to be this month or the rest of the year, but for right now, uh, the Lord has dropped a theme in my heart uh, make the most of a bad situation. That's our focus uh, for right now. And again, I don't know if that's just October, or we may just finish the year. With that as our focus, make the best of a bad situation. We're going to look at various characters in the Bible and stories in the Bible where people were, had, were, were in bad situations. I mean, they were bad situations, but they made the best of it. They made the best of it. And today we're going to look at Esther and Mordecai, Esther and Mordecai. So here's what we're going to do now. We're going to start with Esther chapter four. If you can make your way to Esther chapter four. I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. This might be the whole chapter. Uh, Esther chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Keep your Bibles and or your apps open because we're going to end up in other chapters and verses to see how this story unfolds with Esther, Mordecai, and all the Jews. So indulge me as I read uh, Esther chapter 4. If you would stand upon your feet unless you have bad feet, knees, hips, I'm going to be reading for a minute, so if you have bad knees, feet, hips, whatever, uh, uh, for real, you might want to remain seated. Uh, Esther chapter 4, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, uh, beginning at verse 1. And uh, if any of you receive phone calls today from folks who normally uh, call the, the, the telephone line for worship, I didn't put my phone out here at the beginning of worship. I'm just putting it up, so if you get any phone calls... Uh, let him know. He, he, he got started a little late today because he was, he was in the pool and uh, just in that ministrative note, all right? Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. New Living Translation. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed as her attendant, She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hathak a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all the Jews. He asked Hathak, to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hathak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. 
So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hathak to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out the gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hathak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent, his, sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Very simple title for today's message. We're just going to label this one, How to Make the Best of a Bad Situation, Part 1. How to Make the Best of a Bad Situation, Part 1. If you're Spanish, I'm bilingual. Here's how you do it. How to Make the Best of a Bad Situation, Part 1. I'm bilingual, y'all didn't even know. Esther and Mordecai were in a bad situation, y'all. They and all the Jews like them were scheduled to be massacred. At this time, the Jews were under Persian rule. Esther had married King Xerxes after he divorced his wife, Vashti. King Xerxes divorced Vashti because he wanted to show her off, at a, he wanted to show off her beauty at a banquet. He had summoned her to come out so everyone could see how fine she was. Vashti refused to come out and Xerxes divorced her and rightfully so she needed to be replaced so a beauty contest was held to find the next queen of Persia Esther this beautiful Jewish virgin hid her Jewish identity and entered the beauty contest and won she didn't just win a pageant sash that read Miss Persia a beauty queen's crown and a bouquet of flowers Esther won the right to marry this Gentile king, Xerxes, and became queen of Persia. What made everything so bad for Esther, Mordecai, and all the Jews was another development, y'all. Haman, the prime minister, uh, he plotted to destroy every Jew in the entire Persian empire. He got upset because he had King, er king Xerxes issue a decree that called for everyone, everyone to bow down to, to Haman and prostrate themselves before him, and Mordecai refused to do so. So Haman took the actions of this one Jew. He took this, this disobedience, this noncompliance of this one Jew, Mordecai, and, and, and persuaded King Xerxes, Xerxes to issue a decree to have all Jews like Mordecai executed. So what happened was, lots were drawn, or a die, uh, or, or a pure, one, one dice, one die 
in Hebrew is pure, P-U-R. It was thrown to determine when it was perhaps the will of the creator for the Jews to be slaughtered. This, this pure, P-U-R, this die, uh, or, or purim for dice, plural, is what serves as the basis for the Jewish holiday, Purim. He commemorates, uh, it commemorates rather, the thwarting of the threat of the Jews' extinction during the time of Esther and Mordecai. It's a bad situation. The Jews had around a year left to live. It's a bad situation. But Esther and Mordecai collaborated and saved their people from a massacre. When the story ends, when this story ends, the Jews will survive. Haman will be killed and Mordecai will have Haman's job. They made the best, Mordecai and Esther, y'all, made the best of a bad situation. I'm wondering how many of y'all are in a bad situation today? If so, you can be empowered by a few things they did. If Esther and Mordecai could speak to us today, they tell us, number one, be sorrowful, but don't settle. Be sorrowful, but don't settle. Chapter 4, verse 8, Mordecai gave Hathak a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hathak to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. Here it is, y'all. Here's where we can see Mordecai does not settle, but he's, he's, he's sorrowful, but he doesn't settle. He also asked Hathak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. Mordecai was sorrowful, but, but, but that, that he and his people would be slaughtered in about a year. But he didn't settle for this to be his destiny. He went around the city mourning, wailing, hollering, crying. And word got to Esther, his cousin, about her cousin Mordecai. She sent Hathak, the king's eunuch, to go and see what was wrong with Mordecai. And he told Hathak to tell Esther to beg the king to save the lives of her people, the Jews. As far as Mordecai was concerned, he, Esther, and the Jews didn't have to go out like that. The decree that they were to all be slaughtered in a year didn't have to necessarily be the final decree. Mordecai wasn't going to settle for this decree, and he was challenging Esther not to settle either. He felt that if they played their cards right, they could make the best of this bad situation. I'm going to say that again. They, he, he felt as if if they played their cards right, they could make the best of this bad situation. Now, allow me, as the young kids used to say, I don't even think they say this anymore. Let me, let me keep it 100. There are some times in life when you must accept things as they are. When we lose loved ones to death, we must accept it. Sometimes we must accept when a marriage is over or when an election was lost or when a job is gone for good. Sometimes things are not going to turn around. They're not going to get fixed and things are not going to work out the way you prefer. However, there are times when you don't have to settle for the way things are and you can see things change, turn around, work out and get fixed. Esther and Mordecai will tell you and I that there are times when you need to be sorrowful, but don't settle for the way things are. Shed your tears, but don't settle. Scream and holler, but don't settle. You may never see things turn around, get fixed, work out according to your faith if you settle. Everyone who participated in the Montgomery bus boycott would tell us we don't have to settle for the way things are. 
Barack Obama would tell us that we, just because we had never had a black president didn't mean we could never have one. Candidate, candidate Obama declared, yes, we can, and yes, we did, didn't we? We didn't settle. We rocked the vote, and he was elected twice. Let me close this one point by making this clear. Change is possible for you. Better days are possible for you. A better situation may actually await you if you refuse to settle for the one you're in now. With God, all things are possible. Your faith can move mountains. So be sorrowful, but don't settle. Here's the second thing Mordecai and Ezra would tell us if we want to make the best of a bad situation. They would also tell us communicate to collaborate. Communicate to collaborate. If you want to make the best of a bad situation you're in, you may want to communicate to collaborate. Between verses 5, between verses 5 and 16, Esther and Mordecai communicate back and forth. In verse 6, Esther sent Hathik to Mordecai to see what was wrong with him. Verses 7 through 9, Hathik relayed Mordecai's message to Esther. Verses 10 through 12, Esther responded to Mordecai through Hathik, the eunuch. Verses 13 to 14, Mordecai sent his response back to Esther. Verses 15 to 16, Esther sent Hathik back to Mordecai with a message for him. Esther and Mordecai communicated with one another to collaborate and devise a plan. They communicated through what was available. Hathik, the eunuch. Hathik was instrumental as a go-between for Mordecai and Esther. Esther and Mordecai didn't talk in person face to face. They communicated with one another through Hathik. He was their AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, Google Phone, DM Audio. He, he was their Wi-Fi. He was their walking, talking emails to one another. Hathik became their medium of communication. What do you have at your disposal to communicate and collaborate? Don't allow this pandemic to shut down your communication with others, especially people who can help you devise a master plan, even if you have nothing more than the sweat inside your hand. Use what you have and communicate to collaborate a plan to make the best of your situation, whatever it may be. Stop making excuses for not texting emailing, getting on Zoom, FaceTiming, or simply making a phone call or writing a letter to collaborate with people who can work with you to make things better for you and the people you care about. First Lady's grandmother just turned 90 last week. Michelle conducted, coordinated a surprise Zoom meeting with several relatives to wish her grandmother a happy birthday. Grandma at 90 experienced her first Zoom ever. Many of us probably would have been in Beaufort to celebrate with her if it wasn't for the pandemic. But we used what was at our disposal. She was thrilled to see and talk to her sister-in-law, niece, cousins, grandchildren, great-grandchildren from across the country, Georgia, Virginia, Rhode Island, Florida, North Carolina, New Mexico. In fact, in fact, she was so thrilled from her first ever experience on Zoom, she couldn't sleep that night. Having seen everyone on Zoom blew her mind and made her day and her night. She couldn't sleep that night, y'all. Don't be imitated by modern technology. Embrace it and use it to your advantage. Leverage technology to communicate and collaborate plans that can change your life and the lives of the people you care about. Why shouldn't we do it? The devil is doing it. 
I said the, the devil is doing it. The devil is using various means of communication at his disposal to promote human sex trafficking, destroy the self-esteem and image of our youth, promote terrorist agendas around the world. Let's not let the devil to outsmart us when it comes to technology. If he can use it to communicate and collaborate for evil, then how about you and I use it to spread hope, spread love, turn around what can be turned around, fix what can be fixed, and change what can be changed. That's the third thing I want to share with y'all. If we want to make the best of a bad situation, the third thing is accept God's providence behind your position. Accept God's providence behind your position. I'm in verse 14, verse 14 of Esther chapter 4. Mordecai sends this message to, to Esther in, in, in Esther chapter 4, verse 14. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Here it is, y'all. Here's where he makes reference to God's providence. Who knows? If perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. After a few messages were exchanged between Esther and Mordecai, he dropped a heavy nugget for her to consider. Maybe the reason she became queen was to help her and her people get out of their impending danger of being exterminated. She needed to understand that her beauty may not have been the real reason she became queen. Now she was fine and everything. But maybe there may have been a deeper and much bigger reason why she'd been elevated to the throne. Mord Mordecai was trying to tell Esther, you is kind, you is smart, and you is important. But don't think for one minute that those are the only reasons this door has opened for you. You is fine, you is beautiful, you got a nice body, but don't you think that's the only reason You've been elevated. Maybe Mordecai was implying that the Lord, by his divine providence, arranged for Esther to win that beauty contest and become queen of Persia. The Lord's providence, his, the providence, his, his orchestrating events in history, his setting things up, y'all. Listen, it's a thing. God's providence, God's ability to put people in places and positions is what we're referring to when we say he causes all things to work together for good. For those of us who love him and are called according to his purpose. When you quote that verse in Romans 8, 28, you're making reference to God's providence. Don't believe that luck or coincidence or we can just so happen to be in the right place at the right time is the reason why we get jobs or promotions or what have you. God's providence is a thing. Embrace it. God's providence may very well be behind your position. And when you know God's providence is behind your position, you can trust him for power to solve your problem. Let me say that again. That blessed me. I'm going to say it again. When you know God's providence is behind your position, you can trust him for power to solve your problem. When you know the Lord somehow arranged your promotion, somehow arranged your elevation, somehow opened that door, you can trust the Lord to somehow make a way, somehow turn things around, somehow fix it somehow change it and somehow make the best of a bad situation maybe the reason why God bless you to be where you are is that he knew what was on the other side of your blessing 
When God blessed you, he already knew about the storm on the other side of your blessing. The pandemic on the other side of your promotion. The economic downturn on the other side of your elevation. The rise in unemployment. The impact on crime. Or some other significant widespread calamity. Maybe he put you in position to do something about what would be an upcoming problem. Sometimes God, by his divine providence, promotes people because he's trusting them to use their promotion to solve problems. Let me say that one more time. Sometimes God, by his divine providence, how he orchestrates things and puts certain people in certain places, he does so to promote people because he's trusting them to use their promotion to solve problems. Sometimes God is blessing you because he's trusting you to turn to him when things get hard and trust him to help you make the best of a bad situation. I'm going to say that again. I'm sorry, y'all. Bear with me. Sometimes God is blessing Blessing you because he's trusting you to turn to him when things get hard and trust him to help you make the best of a bad situation. God's providence may be behind Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick taking a need to use his fame and influence, fame and influence to bring attention to police brutality. Maybe God's providence was behind LeBron's James, LeBron James' refusal to shut up and dribble as he brought attention to social injustice. Maybe God's providence was behind Rosa Parks, who, who was on that bus in Montgomery on, on December 1st, 1955, and used her tired feet to bring attention to Negroes who were tired of racial injustice. There were other Negroes who were arrested for not giving up their seats on a bus in Montgomery, but who knows? Maybe Rosa remained seated that day for such a time as this. Sometimes y'all God orchestrates you being blessed and promoted and elevated so he can use you to solve problems. When you want to make the best of a bad situation, number one, be sorrowful but, no, but don't settle. Number two, communicate to collaborate. Number three, embrace God's providence behind your position. Number four, when they go low, you go fast. When they go low, you go fast. Look at verses 15 and 16. Uh, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa. Here it is. And fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. When they go low, you go fast. Haman went low when he persuaded King Xerxes to decree the extermination of all the Jews. But when he went low and Esther found out about it, she went fast. She sent Mordecai a message to have all the Jews commit to a three-day fast and then she'd go in to see her husband, the king. When Haman went low, Esther went fast. One thing significant about the whole book of Esther, God is not directly mentioned in the entire book of Esther. He's not mentioned in the whole book, but when you decide to fast during your bad situation, you're shifting your focus on the father. Fasting means I'm denying myself of things God approved so I can shift more of my attention toward the father. Is your situation bad enough for you and persons connected to you to fast for a couple days? Is your life like the book of Esther? Is God not mentioned in your life? Is it time? Is it time for you to invite God in by fasting and praying and calling on his name?
If you need to fast in order to shift your focus more toward our faithful heavenly father, then fast. Let your focus remain on the father. And when my mind is stayed on him, he blesses me with perfect peace. I just want to encourage somebody in a bad situation. Give it a shot. When they go low, you go fast. Say no to fried fish and potato chips and say yes to fasting and prayer. Turn down the pork chops and turn up the presence of God in your situation. Deny yourself and pray for God to deliver. When the Ninevites repented and prayed, we heard about this a couple weeks ago. When the Ninevites repented and prayed and fasted, God showed them mercy. When they denied themselves food, God showed them favor. When we commit to fasting and prayer, God can respond with mercy. You can be in a bad situation until God shows you mercy and get you out of it. I need somebody here who's ever been there to bear witness. Where you've been in a bad situation. You turned the plate down. You pushed away from the table. Called on the name of Jesus. And you, you were in your bad situation until the Lord showed you mercy. Yeah, you, you, you had a bad situation until the Lord showed you mercy. The doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with you until the Lord showed you mercy. That accident would have taken you out if it had not been for the Lord showing you mercy. Cancer would have canceled your life, but the Lord showed you mercy. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You were in a situation until the Lord showed you mercy. He'll do it for you, won't he? I said, he'll do it for you, won't he? If you fast and pray, you invite God into your situation and there's no Xerxes or Haman or clan or anybody who's big enough or bad enough or bold enough to match God's mercy. If you are in a messy situation, God's mercy is bigger than your mess. When they go low, you go fast and pray for God to have mercy. I'm on number five, y'all. Number five, if I want to make the best of a bad situation number five be courageous and take initiative be courageous and take initiative i'm in verses 15 and 16 again then esther sent this reply to mordecai go and gather together all the jews of susa for me and fast for me do not eat or drink for three days night or day my mates and i will do the same and then here's what she's talking about being courageous and taking initiative though it is against the law i will go in to see the king if I die, I must die. To go before the king without having been invited was against Persian law. Not even the queen could go into the king's chambers without being invited first. Esther knew this, yet she resolved to take the risk, exercise some courage, and initiate a visit with the king. She didn't wait to be invited. Rather, she initiated a visit with the king. Esther must have known that sometimes waiting can keep you from winning. One of my favorite examples of, of initiative in the Bible is when Rahab, the prostitute, hit the, hit the spies in, in the roof of her brothel. Uh, Rahab knew, Rahab knew what was about to go down in Jericho where she lived. And, and so she, she took some initiative and, and asked the spies to look out for her and her family. She didn't wait for them to offer to repay any favors. No, Rahab took initiative and asked for what she wanted. I, I think Rahab knew that sometimes waiting can keep you from winning. 
Jesus took initiative on a few occasions. He initiated a combo with Matthew when he, was wa- when, when he walked up to him at the seat of customs and invited Matthew to become his disciple. Jesus initiated a convo with the lame man who had been at the pool for 38 years and asked him if he wanted to be made whole. When Jesus stopped in Samaria, he initiated a convo with the woman at the well. In fact, Jesus initiated relationships with all of us who follow him now because with, with, he, he drew us unto himself with his own enticing, everlasting, merciful, gracious, loving kindness. And I was taught in Sunday school that I love Jesus because he first loved me. Jesus knows how to show initiative because sometimes he understands his waiting will keep us from winning. Don't sit back as if improvement or your situation is inevitable. Improvement is not inevitable. You've got to work at it. You must take the initiative and work at it. Take the risk of being told no. Take the risk of rejection. Take the risk of God moving on your behalf and blowing your mind when he shows you, when, he show, when you show some courageous initiative. First Lady and I yesterday, First Lady and, and I stopped by Chanel Strong's Taste and See event yesterday. Our very own Chanel Strong is getting her business going and, and she's taking initiative to secure a space for the community to come taste and see her pastries. She's not waiting to be invited. She's not waiting on opportunities to come get her. She's not sitting back wishing doors would open. No, she's showing courage and taking initiative, trusting God to make it do what it do. Because sometimes waiting can keep you from winning. So what you waiting on? What are you waiting on? With whom do you need to initiate a conversation? With whom do you need to, re- to present your resume? With whom do you need to initiate contact in order for you and your people to be blessed and make the best of your current, situa- your current situation? Who knows? Maybe you've been blessed for such a time as this. Be courageous and take initiative. When you want to make the best of a bad situation, be sorrowful, but don't settle. Communicate to collaborate. Embrace God's providence behind your position. When they go low, you go fast. Be courageous and take initiative. And then number six, y'all, speak up. Speak up. You want to make the best of a bad situation? Speak up. I'm in chapter 7, verse 3. Esther chapter 7. Verse 3, Esther, Esther, she's, she's in the presence of the king, and we're going to see what she said. Chapter 7, verse 3, Queen Esther replied, because the king, she had already had a banquet for, 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 uh, for King Xerxes and Haman. And, and, and at, the ba- at the first banquet, the king asked her, baby, what you want, baby? What you want? What you want, baby? Tell me. Whatever you want, baby, it's yours. You can have up to half of my kingdom, baby. Just tell me what you want. Esther was like, um, I'm going to feed y'all again tomorrow. I'll feed y'all again tomorrow. So this is tomorrow, chapter 7. So he asked her again, tell me what you want, baby. Tell me what you want. Queen Esther replied, if I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. That's chapter 7, verse 3. Long story short, Esther got an audience with her husband, the king. He had been asking her to ask him for whatever she wanted, and he'd give her up to half of his kingdom. She finally spoke up and made a request known in chapter 7, verse 3. Kingsy, wingsy, pudding pie. Let me and my people live. 
By your decree, we're going to be exterminated in a couple months unless you exercise your authority and look out for us. The king was like, what are you talking about? Who trying to hurt my queen's wings? Eh? Esther spoke up again and dropped a name. Look at chapter 7, verse 6. Esther dropped a name. Esther replied, this wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy. She dropped Haman's name quicker than Kim dropped Kanye. Quicker than Halle Berry dropped Eric Benet. She dropped Haman's name quicker than the Sixers might be dropping Ben Simmons. She, she spoke up and made it clear who was behind the threat on her life and those of her people. It was Haman. And Haman was sitting right there. And Esther was like, you about to lose your job. You about to lose your job. She wasn't like so many of us who would have responded with something like this. I'm not going to mention no names or nothing. But you got some people in your inner circle who aren't as trustworthy as you think. No. Esther spoke up and dropped that name quicker than the Food Network dropped Paula Dean. Haman. Who trying to hurt my boo? Haman. Mm-mm, I ain't got time. He's trying to kill us. Haman, if you want to make the best of a bad situation, then speak up. Esther leveraged her access to authority and asked for what she wanted. She spoke up for herself and her people. And she not only dropped a name, but she revealed her true identity as a Jew. Up until now, she was getting a pass as a Gentile, a heathen. She had to come out of her Jewish closet and identify herself as one of those who would possibly be exterminated unless the king moved on her behalf and her people's behalf. Speak up. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who would tell you there's power in your voice. Women, there's power in your voice. Young people, there's power in your voice. Use your voice to make your concerns known. Use your voice so you can be heard. Use your voice at school, at work, at the polls. Yes, get out and vote so your voice can be heard. Speak up. There's power in your voice. If you want to make the best of a bad situation, speak up. Aren't you glad Martin spoke up? Aren't you glad Fannie Lou, Fannie Lou Hamer didn't shut up? Aren't you glad Rosa Parks didn't shut up? Aren't you glad Malcolm didn't shut up? T.T. Vivian didn't shut up? Fred Shuttlesworth didn't shut up? Ida, Ida B. Wells didn't shut up? John Lewis didn't shut up? They spoke up, and because they spoke up, you and I have moved up like George and Wheezy. If Esther had kept her mouth shut, she and her people were facing possible extermination. If she and her fellow Jews were exterminated, there would not have been any way for the birth of Jesus. And if Jesus had not been born, I wish I had some help. If Jesus had not been born, he would not have died. And if Jesus had not died, he would not have rose again. And if Jesus had not rose again, you and I, according to 1 Corinthians 15, would still be dead in our trespasses and sins. Aren't you glad Esther spoke up? If you're tired of how bad things are going for you and those you care about, then speak up. And finally, number seven. Finally, y'all, number seven, fight back. Fight back. Fight back. If you're from southwest Georgia, fight bike. I'm in chapter 8, verse 11. Chapter 8, verse 11. Chapter 8, verse 11. The king's decree gave the Jews in every city authority to unite to defend their lives. They were allowed to kill, slaughter, and annihilate anyone of any nationality or province who might attack them or their children and wives 
and to take the property of their enemies. The day chosen for this event throughout the provinces of King Xerxes was March 7th of the next year. King Xerxes would not reverse his decree that the Jews would be killed. He said he couldn't do it. Instead, he issued a new decree that allowed the Jews in every city to fight back when the impending attack would happen. So what happened was, what happened was, Esther and Mordecai's efforts, please hear me, y'all. Esther and Mordecai's efforts created an opportunity for the Jews that they did not previously have. Because Esther and Mordecai did not settle and they communicated to collaborate, they have now created an opportunity the Jews did not previously have. Because Esther and her cousin Mordecai embraced God's providence behind their position, because they went fast when Haman went low, because she was courageous and took initiative and spoke up, an opportunity was created for them to fight back. What opportunities are you capable of creating but missing out on because you're settling and remaining silent? I wonder if some among us are in bad situations because we're not doing what we must to make things better. But the Jews now have a new opportunity to legally fight back and defend themselves. And they did. They fought back and survived what tried to take them out. God has decreed for his people in his kingdom to fight back. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood. We fight back against unseen spiritual forces. And we use weapons like our helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, girdle of truth, combat boots of the gospel of peace, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the shield of faith and prayer. We fight back. And sometimes we might have to file a lawsuit. That's another sermon for another day. We fight back. So do that. Fight back. Let the devil know what time it is. Fight back. Let the devil know you're built to fight back. You're equipped to fight back. You're anointed to fight back. Let the devil know you take victory seriously. Fight back as if you believe God will fight with you and for you. Fight back as if you know God is for you. And if God be for you, then who can be against you? Fight back as if the greater one abides inside of you. Fight back as if your people need to. Fight back as if your family needs you to. Fight back as if your life depends on it. Fight back as if the devil is trying to exterminate all of our youth through the school to prison pipeline. Fight back as if the devil is trying to get all of the men in our community locked up behind prison bars. Fight back as if the devil is trying to destroy all of our families. Fight back as if police brutality and the judicial system needs to be fixed, turned around, and changed so there's liberty and justice for all. Fight back as if drugs are going to kill your child. Fight back as if drugs are going to kill the people you love. Fight back! Fight back with the weapons God gives us. Fight back. Fight back with love. Fight back with peace. Fight back with prayer. But fight back. The date came for the Jews to be massacred. And they fought back and survived. Your survival may depend on whether or not you're willing to fight back. Your turnaround may depend on whether or not you're willing to fight back. Your making the best of a bad situation may depend on whether or not you're willing to fight back. So, fight back fight back fight back I'm done let me close by telling y'all this they were all about to die Esther Mordecai and all the Jews were going to be slaughtered in about a year but the Lord had other plans 
He blessed the efforts of Esther and Mordecai, and he can do the same for you. How many of y'all believe that? So when you want to make the best of a bad situation, be sorrowful, but don't settle. Communicate to collaborate. Embrace God's providence behind your position. When they go low, you go fast. Be courageous and take initiative. Sometimes, sometimes waiting can keep you from winning. Speak up, fight back. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.